Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Last week, I was talking with a friend of mine who lives in Cleveland, Tennessee. He owns a, a health food store there. He's had it for about 15 years, and he has a large group of devoted customers who trust him. They're sort of like family to him. And right now in his business, he's having trouble getting certain products because there's been a run on the market due to fear of the coronavirus. Well, he gets to counsel and pray with a lot of his customers and help them with his fear. He's a guy that's full of joy. He's happy. He has a great attitude. Didn't always have. This happened after he came into the revelation of who God really is and who he is in Christ. But he's able to help his family and his customers and people who are living in fear. And he told me that for some of his customers, fear is the most powerful thing in their life. But God's given him this gift to be able to help them turn fear into joy. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Fear can be the most powerful thing in people's lives. What's the most powerful thing in your life? Could be an addiction, could be another person, could be something at work, could be a health problem. If you were in church and a pastor asked you that, you'd be expected to say, well, God, of course. And God is the most powerful thing in our life, but sometimes it seems like other things are more powerful, doesn't it? Remember the great movie Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember the Nazis were really bent on finding the Ark of the Covenant, the Lost Ark. And the reason they were trying to find it was because they thought it contained God's power, that there was something in there that contained God's power that whoever had a hold of it could use it for whatever they wanted. And, of course, they wanted to use that power to control the world. And they thought once they had that power, they wouldn't need to spend any more money building tanks and airplanes and warships and things like that because they'd be able to use God's power to defeat everyone and everything, and they would have world domination forever because they would have the power of God at their control. That's what they believed. Well, what comes to your mind when I say the word power? How about omnipotent, all power, having unlimited power, being able to do anything? Of course, God is omnipotent. God has all power. Are you afraid of God's power? A lot of people are. I used to be. 
Remember one time early in his ministry, Jesus was getting ready to teach. He was on a on a shore of a lake, and so many people crowded around him that they were literally forcing him into the water. And this was before he'd called his disciples, and Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers. Peter was their cousin, Peter and Andrew, two sets of cousins. They had a commercial fishing business that they were partners in, and they'd been fishing all night and they hadn't caught anything. Night was the time to catch fish there in that day and age. And they were there on the shore cleaning their nets, getting ready to go in and have to tell their family and their merchants and people that they didn't have any fish for them this day. Go to bed, rest up, come back and try it again the next night. So it was kind of an embarrassing time for them. So while they're cleaning their nets and stuff, Jesus is teaching during the morning. And They can't get away because there's this huge crowd thronging around. And he asked if he could stand in one of their boats while he taught. And so they let him. So they had to wait for the end of that. So when he gets done teaching after a few hours, he says, hey, guys, come on, get back in your boats. Get your nets that you've just cleaned. Go back out to this certain spot that he pointed out. And he said, throw your nets out there and you'll catch a lot of fish. And Peter said, well, (laughs) you know, with all due respect, uh, we're professional fishermen. We fished all night. We didn't catch anything. There's no fish there. We know that. And this is the wrong time of day to catch them anyway. But uh, since you ask us to, and since there are so many people around and everything, we'll go and do it. So they go and do it. And they caught so many fish that the amount of fish in their nets began to sink both their boats. They had this net in between two different boats, and it began to sink it. So that was absolutely amazing. So Peter, James, John, Andrew, they realized that Jesus was someone from God, that he had omnipotent powers, that he had supernatural powers, God's power. Do you remember what Peter said to Jesus? He said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He saw God's power up close and personal, and he was afraid because he thought, as did everyone from Adam and Eve up until everyone at that time, everyone thought God would use his power to hurt them because They hadn't lived up to his perfect expectation. At that time and for all of history, all people were afraid of God's power. Jesus told them, he said, none of you guys know what God's really like. In the Old Testament, in the Jewish scripture, they called God Almighty, the Almighty One. That Almighty meant all-powerful, has all might. And of course, they were continually afraid that he would smite them if they did wrong, and hopefully they thought if they were on his side, he would smite their enemies and kill them, men, women, children, animals, everything would cause plagues to come on them, all that kind of stuff. Well, Jesus came to show them, guys, that thinking is all incorrect. You got a false mindset. Jesus came to show us all that God is not like they thought. Yes, God is all-powerful. And Jesus demonstrated that by many miracles, the catching the fish, the raising people from the dead, healing people, walking on water, stopping wind and storms and stuff like that. Jesus showed that God always only uses his power for good. Now, the Nazis and the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie, they had an Old Testament concept of God and his power. But Jesus showed us a completely different New Testament concept. God is love, 
God's love continually manifests in producing joy and peace. God's power takes away fear and gives us joy. Fear should never be the most powerful thing or have any power at all in someone's life who knows Jesus, Papa, and the Holy Spirit and knows them intimately and personally and hears from them and has a relationship with them. Now, Jesus came 2,000 years ago, but unfortunately today, many people still fear God because they believe that God is all-powerful, which he is, but they believe the lies that God is not all good. And they believe the lies that God is going to zap them if they don't please him. And that fear keeps people from being free and living a fun, joyful life. Sometimes people don't even think about it, but there's that underlying fear there. Now, a lot of you have been with me on this journey of learning the truth about God, and you're no longer afraid of God. Isn't that wonderful to not have any fear of God at all? Well, today, yes, it is rhetorical question, but it certainly is. Today, let's take spend a little time taking a look at God's power, what it is, where it is, and how can we access it. People have tried to describe God's power with all kinds of words and art and uh, movies and books and things like that. It's impossible to describe the supernatural with words, but we try because that's all we have. I think you can accurately describe God's power with two words, love joy. God's love manifesting as joy is what God's power is all about. In society, like in the marketplace, in school systems, in religious organizations, in the military, power in the government, power can be cold and impersonal and destructive. Never with God. God is love, God's love is power. The Greek word that we translate as power is dunamis, which we get our word dynamite from. Strength, power, ability, inherent power. Bible dictionaries say it's power residing in God by virtue of its nature and energy. It's never impersonal. It's always passionate and always good, always limitlessly active, loving and caring and involving and working all things for the good for everyone. That's what God's power is continually doing. And it's more powerful than anything else. Nothing can stop God's power. Nothing can thwart and change and end God's power. And nothing can ever separate us from God's power and God's love. God's power never fails. Now, sometimes it seems like God's power is not active because we're able to make choices and do things, and we make bad choices. We hurt ourselves. We hurt other people. But God's power is always working, even in the midst of those things, to work things out for the good, the ultimate restoration of all things. And one day, I believe we're going to see God will give us whatever he wants us to see, but he will show us that we'll be able to look back at our life here on earth and see how he was in our lives and things that, that we experienced as hurtful or hard or bad things. He's going to show us how he was with us and working in all of those things. And we can believe that. You know, our origin is in God's perfect, powerful love. We exist in love. God's love, God's omnipotent, all-powerful power, God's love is in every pore of us, in every breath that we take. God's all-powerful love curses through our veins and the air we breathe and our tissues and bones and, and ligaments and everything. And what it's about doing is 
producing joy. So we have to ask ourselves if we aren't experiencing that, well, do I, do I really believe God is love and God is good? Do I really believe God is joy? Do I really believe God is for me? Because if there's a disconnect between experiencing God's exceedingly abundant joy and what we're experiencing in our life, then it would behoove us, and I'm talking to myself here too, because I've sure come to realize this, to figure out why. Because there's something causing a disconnect there. See, when we don't act loving and joyful, when we complain, when we're bitter, when we focus on negative things, it's just, it's hard for us. I was involved with a couple of guys in a meeting this morning, and one of them was just extremely negative and going on and on and on about how bad things were. And I I felt myself just getting sick while I was there listening. And I wanted to be polite. I wanted to be nice. I, I didn't feel like I could just get up and leave, so I didn't. But I certainly didn't participate much. I tried my best to cheer him up and to help him. I'm not sure that I was very successful at that. But when we act that way, we hurt ourselves. We go down the tubes ourselves. It affects us mentally and emotionally. It affects us physically. And the reason why is because we're going against God's power in us. We're going against what's in us and who the real us is. See, the real us is we are spirit beings, and we are one with Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And their love, their power, their joy is flowing through us. And when we act against that or not with that, there's discord. There's dis-ease. We're not at ease. And sometimes we do that so much we're not even aware of it. It just becomes our default position to complain and be negative and focus on bad things. But we don't have to. We have the choice. And God's choice literally is joy because he is always working for the good and he knows what the end result is going to be. So our concept of God's love and power is extremely important and not just to be able to recite a uh, textbook answer of what it is. No, to, to have it and to experience it. The Old Testament Jewish scripture, they described God as almighty, all powerful, and they thought God, yes, God uses his power for good and for destruction. See, they only knew parts of the truth about God, and they believed a lot of lies. So Jesus came to set things straight. When you study Jesus' life, he never, ever used his power for destruction, only, always for good. If you think God's power can be destructive or punitive or capricious or arbitrary or lightning bolts coming down or wrath or working against you, it affects everything. If you think about that enough, it's just gloomy. It brings down gloom. But that's not what God's like. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, Isaiah is prophesying for God about what's going to happen when Jesus comes. And he says, there'll be no more gloom. God will literally multiply our joy. See, God's power and God's joy, it's not up there and out there and distant. God's power is in each of us. Many of us are not aware of that. Most of the people we cross paths with are not aware of that. And God's power is not an it like something in the Raiders of the Lost Ark box. God is not an inanimate source. Jesus himself is the power of God. Jesus spoke and the Big Bang happened. Jesus spoke and created. God doesn't just have power. 
God is power, and God is love, perfect love. Perfect love drives out all fear. It's that powerful. It drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment and torment. God is love and perpetual action. God is power and perpetual action. And that power is continually producing love and joy and peace. So when we're not participating in that, we're at odds with God's power, with the source of power in us. We're at dis-ease. We're, uh, we're not in harmony with God. So... How do we connect with God's power? The Trinity is described, as best we can humanly, as a triune circle dance with the Father, Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in perpetual motion, including us in that motion, continuously pouring out unconditional love, grace, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faith of Christ, grace, compassion, mercy, compassion, all sorts of things in and through and as all of us. We don't have to try to get that. We are there. We have been included before the foundation of the world in that great circle dance of love and joy and everything good. God is in you. God's power is in you. And God communicates with you. And if you listen, he will tell you about his power and his joy. In Nehemiah 8.10, the people said, the joy of the Lord is our strength, our power. His joy over us, his joy in us ignites the power and the strength in us. And we always get God's power for good, never for evil. If you've got the distorted idea that you can use God's power to defeat somebody else or win a ball game or get a promotion or hurt somebody else, degrade somebody else, you really don't understand yet the only true God. We have omnipotent power of God in us to love and forgive and heal and encourage and reconcile and to bring joy to people. Now, is there another power besides God's power? Well, there was in our mind, in our own mindset, and it can still rear its ugly head, but it's been totally defeated. God has overcome it, and we have overcome it. I'm going to talk more about that next week. Perception is everything. If we believe there's another power, an evil power, and we mentally give it power over us, then as far as we're concerned, there is another power. But in reality, in the kingdom of God, there is not another power. You know the TV commercials for insurance where uh, the actor says his name is Mayhem and he does bad things to your stuff and trying to promote his insurance company that'll cover you when mayhem happens? In the most recent one, he acts like a dog in a car. He's a human being, but he's got his tongue out and he's barking and he's acting like a dog in a car. And this lady's driving a SUV and he literally grabs her purse with his mouth and starts shaking it and emptying everything out to try to make her afraid and divert her attention and to have a wreck. Well, she has a choice and she chooses wisely. She doesn't take the bait. She doesn't play his game. She just says, no, my safe driver discount is more important than paying any attention to you. I'm not going to play that game. My wife was at an exercise class recently, and she was talking to a friend about pickleball. And the friend started giving her a list of things that, oh, you don't want to play pickleball. I got a friend who played that, and she fell and broke her shoulder. And somebody else I know blew out their Achilles tendon, and somebody else hurt their hip. And, so, and finally, Kitsy, just, she, she's friends with this guy, and she can joke around. Finally, she just said, stop. I'm not going to listen to that. I like to play pickleball. 
Well, we can do the same thing when we're tempted to give in to evil's attempts to distract us from the truth and cause us to fear and damage us. We can just say, stop. No, I'm not going to listen to that. We have to believe and know that God is perfectly good and God is love and God is for us and God lives in us and his joy curses through our veins. We learn how to talk to God and listen to God. Any given situation, we can ask him what he wants us to know and what he wants us to do. Like if we're afraid of something, if fear is gripping us about the coronavirus or not having enough money or whatever, somebody in our family, something, just stop and say, Papa, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? And then whatever he says, do that. It's called obedience. Obey him. You most likely will need to stop and ask him to do that over and over again. I do. But you get to the point where it's just, it comes much quicker and quicker and quicker all the time. It's just like we live in seamless union with him. If you're afraid of the coronavirus, ask him what he wants you to know and what he asks you, what he wants you to do. Let me give you a hint. He will never tell you to be afraid or to fear. He may say, no, don't fly somewhere. He may tell you to stay away from certain places or certain groups. But he will never tell you to be afraid or fear. God lives in the now, in the presence. And we can trust him with everything. He is love and his love manifests continually as joy. Fear and worry is always in the future or in the past. We worry about something we did in the past that, uh, you know, we, we might worry that, oh, wow, I was in a crowd yesterday and I shook hands with somebody. Am I going to get sick tomorrow? No, that worry is always in the fear in the past and it never includes God. God lives in the now. He is the God of the now and his love and joy is all throughout every single one of us all the time, continually manifesting love and joy and peace in us working all things for the good. Hope that's helpful, everybody. See you all next time on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.